0: Introspection on the path is called Swadhyaya, self-study. As a seeker, it's very important for you to be honest with yourself and periodically review where you stand. In relation to the path, they can find four types of people. One type of people who have got a clear idea of where they are going, who have priorities are well defined. They know that because they have made this a priority, they will have to let go of a few things and they are ready for it and they have done it. Another group of people who are a bit confused. They have seen the impact of the practices in their life but they are still hanging on to all the things externally. They are very reluctant to let go of anything. And that's a struggle for them to balance this and that. These are the people who are always asking questions about work life balance. They want to have the best of both sides. Sometimes they go to an extreme on that side and then they realize they have done too much and they try to come back here. Again, the world pulls. And times they feel. They are neither here nor there, they don't want to let go either, because they have seen the impact it has had on their life. They are making progress, definitely, they still are struggling to make the jump. So one of the places when you make that jump is when when you do the TTC. It's a big big decision to take. And the next category of people are those who are smart or who think they are very intelligent. These people, they think they know very clearly what all they want. And there are some of them who do a bit of spiritual shopping as well. Okay, I will do chanting from this area. I will do kriya from this area. I will learn meditation from that place. They make their own cocktail. Anything that has come through the master is not just a technique. What works is the grace behind the technique. If you just hold on to it as a technique, your benefits what you get are very superficial and very short-lasting as well. Yes, for a few minutes you may feel good, you may feel more relaxed, but there is no scope for transformation. You can find these people very commonly on the path. And they have been there on the path for many years, but the progress which they have made is very little. And in fact they are very sincere, it's just that they are in a bit of a delusion that they know exactly what they want and they can choose this, they can choose that and then they will be okay. they bring lot of people on the path as well and sometimes you can see the people whom they brought on the path have gone much farther ahead than themselves. Then finally you have got the people whom you can call disinterested or not interested in anything on the path to do with the path. They may say, oh I don't believe all these things, oh you do what you want. And surprisingly these people are also many and you can find them very close to you as well. There can be somebody who is very deep into the path and very next to them, they may have somebody who is not at all interested in it. It may be husband and wife, it may be close friends, it may be children and parents. So, if you are in the first or the second category, then you have a good chance of progressing, And that's when you need to reflect upon, what's happening to me? Where am I going? What's happening? Because there is no cut-off for this, there is no goalpost. post. No, if you are working in a company or a profession, you know there are people above you, this is their level, then I have to go there, then I have to go there, but here there is nothing. It's only your experience of just hold on to yourself and move. In the Kathopanishad, there is a beautiful, beautiful conversation between Nachiketa and Yama. So, Nachiketa is a 10 or 11 year old boy and he has this conversation with Yama, who is the God of death. Then he asks a very beautiful question. Everything I know ends with you. Tell me about something which bypasses you. Or it does not have to end with you. This body ends with you. Anything and everything I gained, I made in this life, I have to leave behind before I come to you. So what is it that passes through you, goes beyond you? is the Upanishadic way of telling what is it that is eternal, what is it that does not die. And and what a phenomenal question from a 10 or 11 year old boy. In our Puranas, there are some really phenomenal characters, like Prahlada, like Dhruva. They are very young, but the samskara in them is so strong that their questions have brought the Divine to them. He brought out the Upanishads straight away. We never think like this. We don't even think we are going to die. And this boy is asking, everything will come and end that you tell me something which does not end with you. And then, when Yama introduces him to Atman, or the Self. He gives a very beautiful example. He says, there is a chariot which is driven by five horses and controlled by a driver, charioteer. And this chariot is your body. The five horses are the senses. The charioteer is the intellect, and the reins with which the horses are controlled is the mind. But in that chariot, there is a passenger sitting behind who is being carried, and that is Atman. Everything works for Atman. The road is the world, and the destination is liberation. And know that the mind is stronger than the senses, the intellect is stronger than the mind and the Self is the strongest of all, or the most powerful. So through the mind, have a say over the senses, through the intellect have a say over the mind, and through the Self, have a say over the intellect. And in this way, if you establish the authority in this way, then you will reach your destination quickly. Otherwise, you will get distracted and your destination will appear farther and farther away from you. See, the same thing Krishna says in the Gita. If you remember, Uddharet atmanatmanam atmanam avasadayet. When the self becomes aware of itself, and takes control, then you go to higher levels of consciousness. But if it gets stuck with the world, and the jiva is deluded by the world, then everything goes in reverse direction. It's like, you know, you want to go to the airport, you call a cab, you sit in the taxi, the driver after a few minutes gets a phone call and says, I'm sorry sir, My son has to be dropped to the school, it's been late, my house is on the way, I'll just go like this and come. Then he drops the son and then a little while later he says, Oh, I just have got a shopping list, I will just finish this off. So if he keeps on doing this and you sit without saying anything, you may never reach the airport on time. So it is the nature of the senses to go outside into the world, to go behind the pleasures. It is the mind which has to hold back. But mind goes where it thinks there is joy. And all that the mind knows is the joy that it gets from the senses. So the intellect knows. Intellect is more close to the intuitive mind. It is more close and it just says, no, this is not right. But then the mind brings an objection. The intellect says, yes, we need to wake up in the morning and do our sadhana. And when the alarm goes, the mind says, oh, it's easy for you to say it is the body which has to get up. You can say what you don't have to get up. The body will have to do all the hard work. So it's okay. And if the intellect does not stand up to itself, then it slowly gives in. And this is what happens most of the time. Whenever you do anything which is not conducive for you, it is because the intellect has failed to execute its authority. And Emma says, there are two things, Shreya and Preya. In every moment in your life, you are given two choices. What is good for you and what is easy for you or what is good for you and what you like they may not always be the same and more often than not you pick the what you like rather than what is good for you as long as you keep picking what you like and not what is good for you your destination becomes farther and farther away and at one point you will even forget that where the, what is your destination is you'll be so stuck in the marketplace So how do you overcome this? How do you re-establish the hierarchy? Now it looks like mind is running the show. The intellect is very submissive to the mind, and because of the atman is become very blurred. So at the level of the body or the senses, the key is discipline, making a habit of things. So there is a concept in yoga called as mandala. If you do anything continuously for 40 days, then you cannot get away from it. It becomes part of you. Anything that could be. You get up in the morning every day and just rotate your head four times like this. Do it every day for 40 days and then you, you struggle to get out of that habit. So, for the body, the key is habit. That is why the ancients made all these vratas. You know, every 14 days you have to fast. You have to do sandhya vandana, which means you have to wake up before the sun rises. And to do that, you have to have a shower, and you have to wear clean clothes. So, these are all disciplines, which you have to do every day. Nitya karmas they made. And, the mind goes behind the senses because it thinks that the pleasure is coming from there. But when you discipline, you find the discipline, joy in the discipline, the mind will agree to that. People are doing sadhana, people are doing exercising regularly, they will all know. One day they don't do their sadhana, one day they don't exercise, they don't feel good at all. The mind will tell them you have to do it. So the mind will listen, but once there is a habit formed in the body, in the senses. For that, you need to have a discipline. You need to really, that is the only self-effort you have to put in. And then, for the mind, the key is awareness, or what you call mindfulness. And in the open, it is called as samanaska. Samanaska means being with the mind all the time, not allowing the mind to go away, just being there with it. It is mindful of what you are doing. When you are mindful, the mind can't what do you say? Deceive you. There will be an internal conflict happens between the mind which wants to be lazy and the mind which on which the light of awareness is shown. And slowly, slowly, slowly the mind will be tamed through awareness. So for the mind it is mindfulness. And for the intellect is Viveka, knowing what is right and what is wrong. How does Viveka come? Through knowledge. So being in knowledge, again and again re-establishing what is permanent, what is impermanent, what is that you need to prioritize, what is that you need to let go. What is it that energizes you? What is it that drains you? And slowly slowly moving yourself away from the things that will bind you, that will drain you, spending more and more time with things that uplift you, that relax you, that make you happy. Then the Viveka is established. And then the senses listen to the mind, the mind is managed by the intellect and the intellect Sees the company of the self. Seeks the company of the self. Once the Viveka dawns, then Vairagya comes automatically. Vairagya towards the external world. And then all the attention gets directed towards the source of joy. This is the first step Yama says in the Upanishad. This is what you need. This is how it is round. Right now the senses are ruling your world, the mind is not in control, the intellect is very weak and the Atman is completely obscured. If you want to know that which does not die, you have to reverse this process and strengthen your body, enhance your awareness. How do you do enhancing awareness? Pranayama. Pranayama is very effective in managing the mind. So take long, deep Ujjayi breath to your neighbor and as you breathe out in Ujjayi, just get a sensation of Om as you breathe out. And you will see that very quickly, the whole process becomes very deep. And your mind becomes so steady. So, Pranayam for the mind, knowledge for the intellect. This will help you.